So we're in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Now, Paul is, these are his last, you know, we'll see this week and next week. It's all coming to an end of his, of his ministry. He's only got a short time to live. Some say it could be weeks, maybe a month or two. He's, you know, we'll see next week he wants Timothy to come. So I think he, he probably thinks he has enough time for Timothy to get there. But he's given us, this is his last words, man. These, these are like the last commands he gets. And, and, and understand what the Holy Spirit leads Paul to say at the end. Understand what the Holy Spirit is telling Paul to write down at the end of Paul's life. Now, you know, Timothy's having to deal with all the, fa- the false teachers and all of that. And, and kind of all of that's behind him. This is just Paul and Timothy. This is just Paul telling Timothy. He knows Timothy's going to read it to the whole church. That's fine. But this is Paul telling his young protege, Timothy, I'm leaving. Now, I'm going to give you some final words, man. And these are the words that I lived by in my home ministry. These are the words that I spent my life doing. This is everything I know to teach you in but a few words. He says, I'm, I'm exhorting you. I'm encouraging you. I mean, I'm almost, it's not commanding, but it's just like the strongest exhortation. I said, and he calls it in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. In, in the name of, in the presence of, by the power of, however, you, all that means the same thing, of God, of Jesus Christ our Lord. And he says, remember, Jesus is going to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. He says, preach the word. Timothy, when all else fails, you preach Jesus. You preach Jesus. You preach Jesus. Now, last week we saw he ended chapter 3 saying all scriptures inspired by you know, the Lord. And he's talking about the Old Testament, but it comes over in the New Testament. Remember, they don't have all the New Testament now, so you know, he's got to preach. And he says, take that logos, that word. And the word for preach is a, very, is a pretty technical word. It means to preach with content. He gives him a command. He says, you preach the word. You preach it. And that's your job. Now, this is specifically at Timothy. However, everybody, every young preacher boy that's ever gone to seminary, even if you haven't gone to seminary, at some point, you were taught preach the word. I, you know, I remember a preaching class. What did they bring out? Preach the word, right? They had it for you. Even your seminary did that, as, as, as shallow as your seminary was. And as, as poor a job as they did equipping you, at least they got you that part. I can't tell you how many times pastors go to conferences, and for some reason, all the yokels who think they got to preach to all the pastors want to pull this out like we don't know this, okay? But it's to all of you. It's to the church, too. This is what we do. Paul says, I preach Christ crucified. Paul, Paul says, pre- and he says, it's through the foolishness of preaching that people come to Christ. Even the worst preaching, <laughs> people can come to Jesus. There's evidence by a lot of people who've come to Jesus during my ministry, <laughs> during the worst. This is the task. And listen, we get so caught up in church life of trying to figure out all the things we have to do. And we have the world saying, well, the church needs to do this and the church needs to do that. Never let the world tell you what the church needs to do. Don't let unspiritual people give you spiritual advice. I don't get financial advice from someone who's living on the side of the road in a tent. 
I don't want marital advice from any member of the Burroughs family ever until I came along, okay? They all failed. I don't want financial advice from broke people. And I don't take spiritual advice from people who don't follow Christ with everything they have. I just don't. I just don't. This is the fundamental thing we do as a church. We preach the word. That's what we're doing. We're teach, I know we're teaching over in Awana. You know what they're studying in Awana? They're not looking at six steps to help them be better children. We're not teaching them how to love their brothers and sisters. We're not even teaching them to obey their parents. We're teaching them, this is what the Bible says. We are teaching them the word. Preaching is the most important thing. There's, there's three things in the life of a pastor. There's three parts of the church life that you do. There's pastoral, which you visit and you comfort and, you know, you give advice and you counsel. And, and that's pastoral. Then there's administrative, you know, you meet with committees, do some budget stuff and all that. Then there's, there's preaching and teaching. Here's what I know. A lot of people can do the pastoral ministry better than me, and I know that because they do it. Probably every one of you are better at a hospital than I am. I'm like the worst. I mean, my goal in the hospital when I visit you is to get out within five minutes. That includes the time I park. You know, and if it's serious, I'll be there with you. I'm going to pray for you. You know, listen, if I come visit you in the hospital, if it's, unless it's Monday, which is my day, if I come any other day, you're in bad shape, man. You're like, why is he here? Why isn't Joe or Brian or Mike here? Am I that bad? I'll pay it probably. You don't want me to hospital. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty good counselor. I listen. Mostly I just tell you what my mother told me. Just suck it up and deal with it, you know? That's a lot better people that count. Joe's better. He'll do it for hours and hours of counseling. Administrative stuff, I can do all that, but I don't like doing it. I'm just rather, people do a better job with all that than me. Here's the one thing that I have to do that no one else can do. is preach. I mean, others can preach. Joe's a great preacher. But I preach 40 out of 52 Sundays a year. So I do most of it. I do most Wednesday nights. It's the one thing I need to do. I tell every young preacher, and I've told you this many times, and I've told every young pastor, master the art of preaching and teaching. That is the single most important thing you do. Everything else, someone else can do better than you. That's the one thing. There better not be anybody in your church that does that better than you. Unless some guy retired, you know, you know like, like if Charles Stanley retires to your church or Jack Graham retires to your church, there better not be anybody in church better at that than you. Because you have to preach the word. Because that's how people come to Jesus. That's how you get rid of false teachers. That's how you correct all errors. The primary way you do it is when you preach. If I say something on Sunday morning, people are thinking, man, it must be important because the pastor's preaching on it. And that matters. I'm preaching on Easter this Sunday. Obviously, it's important. What I preach on the next week, I'm preaching on the sin of David. That's important. I ain't preaching those next two weeks. Joe's preaching. Whatever he says is going to be somewhat important. (laughs) I just get to make fun of him all the time. He really can't make too much fun of me because he likes to feed his family. God, I love it. (laughs) Don't ever, listen, you should never go to a church where the preaching's not good. You should never go to church. 
I've heard some guys, I'm like, I know why your church runs 35 people. You stink at preaching. You are horrible at it. And I don't, they love Jesus. I don't care. I love Jesus. That's not enough. And you ought to expect and demand for the spiritual well-being of your life, of your family, so that you can bring lost people. Do you realize there are some folks who love their church, but they can't bring lost people there because they're afraid of what they might hear might turn them further away? I know that. I've had them tell me that. Preach Jesus. He says, be ready in season and out of season. That means whatever, always be ready, man. Whenever it's time. Never, never, always have a sermon ready. Listen, I know if I go down Sunday, Joe can pop up and preach. Back in October when Debbie was sick, I said, Joe, you got to go, man. And he went. He was ready. He was ready. Now, one night, he comes that first week, he came to the hospital. He was in, we were in uh, Mountain View and, and uh, 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 ICU. And I'm, we're going over notes. Okay, Joe, you ready? You got it. Here's the notes. I said, just take it and go. He was ready, man. He was ready. I tell him all the time, if you go now, don't worry, brother. I can take care of it. He goes, you want me to send you your notes? I said, no, I got it. Trust me. <laughs> Always be prepared. And that's for you, too. You should always be prepared to tell someone about Jesus. Now, you don't preach. I get it. Okay? But you are always should be prepared to tell people about Jesus. I'm not saying you go up to a stranger in the mall, you know, is wearing the weird T-shirts. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. But some, if your neighbor just comes over and says, look, man, I know you go to church. I know you're a Christian, and I'm hurting. At that moment, you need to be prepared to tell them about Jesus. And if you're not prepared, you should be prepared. Correct, rebuke, and exhort. I mean, you correct what's wrong. You, you rebuke falsehood, exhort people. I mean, if, if, when on Sunday, I do all the time. I, I, you know, I, I teach you what's correct. Preach what's correct. This, um, I don't know if I'll do it this Sunday. I've done it many times. So I'll talk about the churches that deny the bodily resurrection of Jesus. I correct that. I, if, you live, if there's something that's sinful, I rebuke that. And I'm always I'm exhort you to be and to be where you need to be. With great patience, says in instruction. So you need to be patient. And patience just means, listen, I don't always expect results every week. I mean, I expect them, but I don't know. People say, do you ever get discouraged? Someone doesn't come forward. No, I don't care. I mean, I care. I don't get discouraged, though. I mean, I, really don't, I mean, they're coming eventually. God's working. I did my part. God's working. We're going to baptize 11 people tomorrow night. How many of them did I tell you I know? One? I know one of the 11. I'm like, the rest of them, like, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? I don't know who they are. I mean, I probably, when I see them, like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, it's her. It's all right. With patience and instruction, teaching. Now, here's the thing what, what I'm doing right now basically is teaching. What I do on Sunday is preaching, and, and there's a little difference. I teach so that you can have information. I preach so that your life will be changed. See, when I'm preaching, I'm trying to get you somewhere. Maybe you're already there, but I'm trying to get you to a place in your life where if you're not there, your life changes. When I teach, I'm just telling you what you need to know and believe. And so, in my preaching, there's always a little teaching. And I know when I teach, I preach sometimes, because I can't help it, because that's just who I am. 
But, but there's a difference. Some, I hear people say sometimes, well, on Sunday, I really like your teaching. I'm, I'm going to say thank you. I always just say, hey, thank you. I appreciate it. What I want to say is, brother, I wasn't teaching. I was preaching. It's an insult to tell a preacher he just teached, taught it, whatever the word is. <laughs> but there's always a little bit of instruction. Paul's just saying it's Timothy, 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 Timothy. I ain't going to be around much longer. Who's going to be the next Paul? Paul's like, man, something happens to me, Timothy, you're it. I'll tell you what, man. If I drop down tomorrow, who's following me? I'm not looking at stuff. Yeah, if I go down tomorrow, you got to go, man. And if I go down and he goes down, I'd go down the street to another uh, church. God must say, no, you know, we got Brian will come up, or Troy will come up, or Stephen will come up. If I'm down and Joe's down, one of those guys will be up. Someone's always got to be ready to fill the gap. Someone's always got to be ready to preach. So if Andrew having eight pastors on staff, not counting the woman who will never do it, but the rest, or Mike. Mike's before Heather. I'm sorry, Mike. If six of us are in a, in a van accident Sunday, you're it. You can't go with Heather. She's a woman, you know. So there's never more than four of us in a van at the same time. I guess it happens. Look what he says in verse 3. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. Oh, that sounds like today, doesn't it? Wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. This is what you see happening in the Christian faith now. This is prosperity gospel. Okay, teaching, I mean, correcting and rebuking. Prosperity gospel is not of Jesus. First place, prosperity gospel begins with the assumption, if you go back to the beginning, to their fundamental teaching, they don't believe Jesus is fully God. They believe he was a human who achieved a certain status. That statement, the preacher down the street, who's a prosperity gospel preacher, whatever way, I'm not pointing to anybody in particular. But the one in El Paso, right across the highway, he may believe that Jesus is, but, but, before, but where they come from doesn't. And they preach. You know why people like prosperity gospel churches? Because they tell them what they want to hear. It's all up to you, man. You can be wealthy. You can be healthy. Oh, I love that. What's the secret? Well, give me money and start a prosperity gospel church. But they always hear what they want to hear. Even some of the denominations that are going liberal. I mean, they're denying the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because they say, well, you know, people don't want to hear that. People want to believe there's a lot of different ways to get to heaven. We, we hear this now. When the church has got to change or it won't reach people, the church will always reach people. Christ will always reach people. That doesn't change. They just tell people what they want to hear, thinking, oh, they'll just come. They'll just come. And so they get those teachers that preach what they like. Verse 4 says they'll turn their ears away from the truth and they will turn aside to myths. This is is classic. There are some in Christianity today that say the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the physical bodily resurrection is a myth when all the evidence points to being true. And the myth is what they teach. You realize the utter hypocrisy of that? They teach the falsehood. Those clowns teach the myth. They're the ones that do it. Not us. This is Sunday. You know, I'm going to tell you. Jesus died. 
raised back to life. I was looking at the, the, the last baptism service the other day because I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to say tomorrow. And I went back to the one in January and I listened to, to what I said about baptism and communion. The first thing, I was, did a really good job. I was impressed with what I said. I'm like, man, that guy did really good. He was funny. He got it all right. Blah, 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 blah. But I, but I, I, you know, so I want to make sure I just don't say the same thing I said then. But then again, I thought, well, I'll just show the video. That was pretty good. But here's the thing. This is not my modest day. <laughs> Sunday, I will be modest. Today, I'm just a little on the immodest side, okay? But I remember, but, but what I said was, you know, baptism and Lord's Supper, he died for our sins. God brought him back to life. We trust him. That's what baptism symbolizes, that we die and trust that Christ died, came back to life. We trust him with our life. We died our sin, come back to life. That's truth. That is truth. And your job is to make sure I preach truth. And your job is to go tell truth to other people. One of the things we always try to create here is a place where you know you can bring someone to hear truth. In case you struggle, and I get it, I know it's hard sometimes to tell people. You know who the hardest people to tell about Jesus is? Family. It's always the hardest for me. It's hard. You know, people I grew up with sometimes are hard. But we want to make sure there's a place that you can say, you know what? I'll just take them to First Baptist. They'll hear it there. It doesn't matter who's preaching. Me, Joe, Troy, Brian, Stephen, they'll hear it. They'll hear truth. And that's what you want. That's what's important. That's what you should seek. He says, they turn aside to myths. But here's what he says in verse 5. But as for you... But you, Timothy, <laughs> you self-restraint in all things. And then he gets this. Do hardship. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Timothy, it's going to be hard. Paul's about to die. It'd be easy. You know, tomorrow, next week we'll see that Demas, loving the world, abandoned Paul. Demas couldn't handle it. He said, Timothy... I'm, about, I'm, I'm here in jail, man. And I'm just telling you, you're going to have to endure hardship. You're going to have to endure. This is the hardship because of Christian faith. you got to endure it, man. And you endure that. You do the work of an evangelist. You tell people about Jesus. When it says the work, when the work of an evangelist, it's, it's the word we get evangelism from. Um, and, and so, Evangelion, the evangel, Evangelizomite, preached the good news. He says, you got you to tell people about the good news of Jesus. And then I love it. He says, fulfill your ministry. The actual word for ministry is uh, diakonion. In other words, it's the word for we get deacon. Fulfill your, you know, the word, basic word for that we get deacon, this means ministry, service, serving. He says, bring it to completion. Fulfill it. The actual word that used being fulfilled here means to bring to the limits. Do everything you're supposed to do. So I look at that, you know, now that I'm 62, and I'm on, I know I'm on, <laughs> I know I'm on the backside of ministry. I've been doing this for 42 and a half years. I'm not going to go to 105. And if I do, I'm not going to be preaching. I'll be, you know, wherever. But I know it's important. Fulfill my ministry. I got to make sure I, I get everything done I'm supposed to do. You know, when I was 30, 
And I had, however many years I had thought I had left, I, I, I'll get to it. Some, I, I'll get it all done eventually. And now I'm at a point where I, man, I got to get everything done now. I got to do everything for this church. And I'm, I'm like, Lord, what am I supposed to do for First Baptist? I better get it done. I have no idea how much time I have that. I want to bring it all to completion. All of it to the end. I said, Timothy, God, to preach the word, son. And notice what he says about himself in verse 6, 7, 8. I am already being poured out like a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. That's a, a poured out like a drink offering. It's like a sacrifice. It's like taking and just pouring it out, uh, p- pouring out the offering, you know, that would be poured out for the, for the sacrifice. He says, I've already, I, it's, I've been, it's over. It's all done, is what he's saying. There's nothing left. He said, the p- time of my departure, it's the picture of a boat about to leave. Actually, it's a picture of a boat weighing anchor. Some of you have been on a cruise, and it's time to, you, you, there you go, you, you're off. Like when I get on that plane and they close the cabin doors, they always say, the doors are closed, you can't get off or on. Well, I'm stuck on that plane then. We're heading on out. He says, man, it, my, my time's done. Look, look what he says. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. Man, that's, I have fought, finished, kept. This probably all comes from the athletic metaphor. Some think I have fought the good fight is, is a military reference, and it could be. But Paul uses a lot of athletic metaphors, like I have finished the course. It probably it means like a pugilist, a boxer, or a wrestler. A wrestler back then, I fought the good fight. The fight, I fought it. I have compl- I fought, and it's over. I finished the course. I ran the race, man. I've done it. And then the last one is, I kept the faith. All the things he went through in his ministry, his life. I mean, you go back to Acts and he was killing Christians and he got saved. And immediately they tried to kill him. And they ran him out of every place he ever went. The Jews hated him and the Gentiles hated him. And people tried to stone him. And they prisoned him time and time again. And now Nero... Nero's the one that's going to kill him. Nero killed Peter and Paul right about the same time, maybe within days of each other. And he said, I kept the faith. That's a pretty good thing to be able to say when, when death comes, isn't it? So I got to my tombstone. I like, I, I like to say that. Now, I, there's a lot of things over the years I've said I like to say on my tombstone. In fact, if, if they all got written down, it'd be like five tombstones long. Fantastic husband, you know. Great son, all that stuff. But to be able to say, I kept, I kept the faith. He said, in the future, which is almost there, right there, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness. When the victors would come back, athletic conference, after athletic uh, endeavor, they gave him a crown. Sometimes generals would come and they give him a crown also. But keeping with the athletic metaphor, and both of them were, you know, let me tell you what they didn't give back then. They didn't give participation trophies to Christians. They didn't get a little ribbon. They gave the crown of the victor. My, uh, my mama passed. I kept, uh, she, had, she kept all the stuff I ever won, you know, all that stuff, because your mamas do stuff that you don't think about. And then, you know, you look at all like, oh, my mama kept all that. That's pretty cool. And uh, she kept the newspaper clippings of all the good ones. She didn't keep any of the bad ones, thankfully, of that. Um, I mean, she kept all that stuff. And 
that's kind of what I, it's not the exact same, but it's kind of what I think of. Do you think this, she liked all the things you did right. It wasn't a big box. It was a little box, but she kept it, you know. And it, it, it just, that's what I think about. I kept the faith. And reserved for me is, David, all the things you did that I wanted you to do. All the times you preached exactly what I wanted you to preach. And all the times when it was tough, you persevered through all of that. It's waiting. And I, you know, so often, we, and I know it's there, we hear preachers preach about, you know, you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account of your life. And I, and I believe it, I do. But I don't think heaven is Jesus reminding me of all the times I failed. I think hell will be a reminder of all the times you rejected Jesus or God, or how you put it. But I do think, I do think when that day comes, we'll be reminded of the times we did what he asked us to do. So he is the righteous judge. He'll reward me on that. He'll award me on that day, not only me, but all who have loved his appearing. Loved his appearing. Don't get too technical about his appearing. Sometimes everybody gets so technical what that means. It's, here's what it means. Everybody who just loves Jesus and trusted him in his life. And Paul's coming to an end, man. We'll see it next week. He's saying, Timothy, this has been my life. I preached the word. No matter what happened, I preached it. And I have, I have fought the fight. I have run the race, finished it. I've kept the faith. I don't know what reward I'm going to get. I'll get it. I'll get the reward of the victor. And all of us will. You, and he's saying this, and Timothy, you will too. But Timothy, you're young. And you got a ways to go. So here's what you do. You preach so that you'll have the victory. And this is the word for the church. This is for all of us. We endeavor to share Jesus with singular focus. We don't get sidetracked into things that don't matter. If we get involved in something, it's because it matters. We get involved in turning point, it's because turning point ministry changes lives with Jesus and it matters. We get involved in a church plant, it's because that church plant is sharing Jesus and it matters. We want to be sure that we're preaching the word. And everything we do does that as well. So that people can come to Christ. In the end, this is actually, I'm saying this Sunday, and probably differently. But in the end, all that will ever matter, all that will ever matter, is whether or not a person trusted Jesus to be their Savior. So all that will ever matter. Better be sure. We've done everything we can to help people come to Jesus. That is why we preach the word. Now, I'm a minute and a half early, which is the sign of a really good pastor. <laughs> and one who has to do this, you know, tomorrow and four times Sunday. 